We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the one-year anniversary bonus episode of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, Amherst Samara Book Club podcast. I'm Bethany. Today's guest is Megan O'Russell. Do we go by your full name? Uh, Megan is fine. Megan is fine? Yeah. Megan, is, <laughs> Megan is from a book and a dream podcast. Today she will be joining me to discuss Scarlet chapters 33 and 34. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for letting me come play. Absolutely. Do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself? And hopefully everyone went and listened to my interview on A Book and a Dream. But do you want to tell everybody about your podcast anyways? Sure. Uh, So my podcast, I am a young adult author. I'm also an actor. So the podcast is sort of vlog form journey of being an epic fangirl and being an author in the YA community. And I have other authors and podcasters on sometimes for solo episodes. It can be things as simple as, you know, the top three fantasy rescue crews I'd want coming to my aid. So it's, (laughs) it's just a lot of fun YA fandom. And it's, it's, great to be there and to chat with people. And then for my books, I am a YA author. I have five different book series out right now. So it's a a lot. I spend a lot of time writing, but it's, yeah, it's super fun. They go from dystopian to the, my latest series is more of an epic fantasy. So something for everybody in the YA world. Do you want to mention a couple names of the books so listeners can go find you? I know you're on Kindle, right? Yes, I am on Kindle. Uh, I am. Most of my books are, you can find them on Kobo and Barnes and Noble too. The latest series, the first book in that series is Ember and Stone. It's the Anna Vilbrea series. It's, it is an epic fantasy series that has a wonderful kick butt heroine, really lovely world that I really enjoy playing in. Another series that people would be able to find pretty easily across all platforms is the Girl of Glass series, which is a mid-apocalyptic series that just so happens to have some chemically induced vampires and werewolves in them. So yeah, it's super fun. So there's a range out there, but Girl of Glass and Ember and Stone are both on all ebook platforms and you can find them on my website, MeganOrussell.com will give you links. Or if you just type it in on whatever your preferred book platform is, it'll pop right up there. Awesome. We'll have to make sure that everybody goes and checks that out because I am always looking for more books, even though I have a million. I actually, I work for a used bookstore, Southern Bound Bookshop. Really quickly, I want to say thank you because it's an independent bookstore right now, which is, it's hard, y'all. So what we've been doing, (laughs) it's rough. So what we've been doing is we've been creating online bundles through our Facebook page where we put together like four or five books of a certain genre and we'll mail them to you. And luckily, I've had several podcast listeners who have gone on our Facebook and ordered bundles. So a big thank you for your support. You have no idea how much it means to us. We're going to continue to do the bundles. So keep looking on our Facebook page, southernboundbookshop.com, Biloxi, Mississippi. All the bundles are like 20 to $30. I try to do at least one young adult bundle every day. I'm really grateful that so many people participated already. That's amazing. Yeah. 
but I, I work there and we get used books. And so I kind of get a lot of them. <laughs> and I was having so many that I bought a bookcase, like, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago. It's already full. <laughs> and I already need another one. <laughs> oh, no. And I don't, I don't care. I hope that I hope I never run out of books. I have like six or seven bookcases at home and they're full and I just, I keep buying more books. (laughs) But whenever I feel judged, I just think, you know, like it's not meth. (laughs) So there are worse things. There are much worse things you could do. It's books. It's not, it's not meth. It's not hurting anybody. It's not unhealthy. So... You know, it may be a fire hazard at some point, but <laughs> that there's no downside. I I have a Kindle, which was originally bought to prevent buying so many books, which it did for the most part, because my husband's in the military. We move a lot. But when I get such a good price on them because they're used and I work there, so I get discounts like, I mean, Am I going to pay $4 for a book or 17 to get it on my Kindle or 30 to get it on my Kindle when I can pay $4 in my shop for a book, you know? That's amazing. So <laughs> I'd rather have the book. I I did because I'm an actor is like my day job, which is weird because that's totally at night. But <laughs> I've done two national tours. So I lived on a bus for two years. Oof. And so I... I'm so bad. I got a brand new Kindle to go on tour because my other one's battery was dying. And I still would hoard books under my bus seat. (laughs) I'm living out of two suitcases on a bus, sleeping on the floor of a bus. I have no space for anything. I have a Kindle. And I would still like stash paperbacks places. It's really unhealthy, but I just, I can't say no to them. I know. When we first moved here, because like I said, my husband's in the military. So when we moved here, we lost a lot of my books. They got damaged by water. And by the time they were Mm -hmm. delivered to us, it was bad. Like they were molding. They were growing new things. They were falling apart. My original set of Harry Potter was in there and I had to throw it away. Which I literally cried about because that was the first, like, I got that book when I was seven. And I didn't know half the words, so my parents bought me a dictionary. So it was covered in, like, seven-year-old Bethany's handwriting, just, like, underlining words and then writing in the margins what they meant. And it's like, I can never get that back. But the insurance company covered the damage costs, and we used the money to buy me a Kindle with, like, a good case. And we chose to get a paperwhite. We had the paperwhite first time, but this time we chose to get the paperwhite that comes with the backlight, and it is a game-changer. Oh, I've never had one of those. I went straight from like the normal one to the Kindle Fire. So I didn't want the Kindle Fire because I was like, it's just a tablet. And I feel like that's too distracting. I just want my books, you know. So I have the Kindle, the Kindle Paperwhite. And if you're going to buy one, I recommend going the extra, you know, and getting the backlight because you can get, you know, like those little book clip lights, but they create a glare on the screen and it's horrible. And so having the backlight. Yeah, it's horrible. So having the backlight, I can read no matter how dark it is. And it's great. That's awesome. Yeah. And then if I want to stay in bed reading until four o'clock in the morning, which happens, it doesn't disturb my husband at all. <laughs> I great. usually just put pillows over my husband's head and hope he can still breathe. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. He's an adult. He'd move if he couldn't breathe. I wanted to say, because I haven't said before, and I thought everyone knew, and I guess they don't, Marissa Meyer started her own podcast. Um, you can go check it out. It's on all the platforms. It's called The Happy Writer, and she interviews other authors, and they talk about they talk about uh, the authors and their books and, you know, sort of a promotion thing since authors can't go on book tours right now. Um, but I actually was just talking to a Patreon member and they had not heard that she had a podcast. So I want to let everyone listening know Marissa Meyer has her own podcast now. It's called The Happy Writer. It's great. Go check it out. <laughs> Very cool. Something she does on her podcast that I want to start doing <laughs> is she asks her guests what they are currently reading. Or what they're about to start reading, like their next TBR. Ooh, right now I'm almost done with it. I'm reading Muse of Nightmares, which is the second book in the Strange. I think it's the final book in the Strange the Dreamer series. I tend to not look to see if it's the last book in the series till I'm done because I don't want to like spoil it for myself. I'm the um, opposite. Like how many more until I get to the big conclusion? <laughs> Well, I've, I've accidentally like read series out of order before. I, oh, I'm bad. I was so confused. And I was like, wow, this author really expects you to pick up on a lot quickly. No, it was book three. Um, <laughs> that's why Harry Potter always has that stupid chapter in the beginning where it's like Harry Potter was an unusual wizard. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have like explaining Quidditch to Colin Creevy. Yes. But... <laughs> But I am reading that right now, and it's really great. It's beautifully written. And so, yeah, I'm finishing that. And then I actually have Heartless coming in the mail, hopefully tomorrow, if my package actually gets here. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. So that will be my next one, assuming it gets here. If not, I'm probably going to jump back into, like, Legendary or something like that. I'm going to tell you right now to read Heartless because it has a slow start. And once it picks up, it is intense and the ending is amazing and the plot is amazing. And I get so many people, they're like, yeah, I was like 22 pages in and I wasn't feeling it. And I'm like, no, you have to go. Gotta. There's a lot of like world building. Once the world is built, all of the amazement happens. <laughs> At this point, I sort of have like a level of trust where I'm like, okay. I've read four books by you. Like, yes, I'll like, I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll make my way through it because I believe that like, it's going to be good. So usually with authors that I've like already, I'm familiar with some of their work. I'll stick with it, but it's the, it's the new authors. Also, I only like not finished like four books in my life. So right now I haven't Caraball is what I haven't finished. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I have been, I'm struggling. I, at this point, I basically need to start over because I've been reading it for like a year and I get bored with it. And so I go to a different book. <laughs> so I started reading this book in October, but my Goodreads goal this year was to read at least two books a month because I have a job and a podcast and eight classes. So I don't always have time for books. So far this year, I've read like 18 books. Oh, wow. So instead of reading Care of All, I've <laughs> Instead of finishing a book I already started reading, I've read 18 other books. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the book. It's the second book in the Mistborn series. But it took me like nine months and picking up eight other books in between yeah. to finally get through it. And it's so good, but it was just so dense. Yeah, that's where I am right now where I'm just like, mm, I don't want to. 
But see, and I'm told every, everybody told me that I talked to everybody was like, well, the first one is like kind of good. The second one is like meh. And the third one is unbelievable. And I'm like, man, that is a commitment. Like you're telling me I'm not going to like the first one. I'm definitely not going to like the second one. But the third one's going to blow me away. Like, can I just do the third one? <laughs> I mean, you could probably find like some really detailed synopsis and just read the synopsis <laughs> of the first two and jump into the third book. It feels like I'm cheating on a book report. <laughs> I mean, there's no cheating if there's no grading. Like, it's right. fine. Yeah, I think that Marissa Myers definitely a I don't care what it is, I'll read it kind of thing. Don't at me, but Stephanie Meyer is like that too. I loved Twilight. I love the host. I'm super excited for the new Twilight. I thought the host was way better than Twilight. Don't get me wrong. I Twilight is like a guilty pleasure. I'm not putting it up there with Harry Potter and Jane Austen, but it's like a really good palate cleanser. It's, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of cotton candy in your life. Yes. And, and it is like, it's one of those books. I, I read them. I was living in cast housing and I got super sick with like the flu and it was like the same flu kept rotating through the cast. So I spent like a month on and off, like every three days I'd be sick in bed and like couldn't move. And so every time I was like deliriously ill, but couldn't sleep, I would read through a full Twilight book in like nine hours. And it was great because I just needed like a distraction that was not going to like make me consider my place in the universe. It was yes. just going to give me a lovely little story that would lead me straight on and I would understand everything that was happening and then it would be done. And you know what? That is a worthy thing. Like, it's just a story you can enjoy without questioning your life. And then you come out on the end and you go, wow, that was nice. And that's great. Yeah, that's I so equate it to those made for TV movies. It's not going to win an Oscar, but that doesn't mean it's not fun. It's bringing people enjoyment. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. And I'm super excited for Midnight Sun. I think it's going to be great. I'm Glad that she's finally doing it. I kind of want her to do something else, too. I really liked The Host, which was a different book that she wrote. It was it was still sci-fi, but it was totally different than Twilight. And I was hoping that, you know, her announcement would be like a completely different book series altogether. Yeah. Like a branch out. Yeah, it's been a while since she's published anything. Unless, like, she's publishing under a different name and we just don't know. I know that she made a series called The Chemist. And it was an adult series, but I haven't picked it up yet. And I think it was about an FBI agent. Oh, I, have a I don't think I'd even heard of it, probably because it's not my genre. So it just never like popped up on any of my lists. Yeah, I think that's probably why I haven't read it yet. Like I haven't read any of the J.K. Rowling mystery books. I haven't read any of those. I know I haven't either, which is weird because I do read mystery, but I just like in my head, she's Harry Potter and I don't want to like taint my vision of her which <laughs> exactly. is like awful and not supportive of me but I just like I want to preserve her yeah so it's called the chemist and she's an ex-agent on the run from her former employees she used to work for the U.S. government is what it is and it's an adult adventure Ooh, it got one star oh that's not good <laughs> uh, oh. Twilight got four. <laughs> oh well I mean there's plenty of books that get a bad rep. I would say my the most underrated book I've ever read is Do you know who Hillary Duff is? Yes. Did you know she wrote a book series? She did? 
not like a celebrity memoir tell all. She wrote like she made up characters and a plot and wrote a completely fictional series. It's called the Elixir series. There's three books and they're amazing and they're completely underrated. Oh, no. You know, I think everybody assumed it was going to be another celebrity tell all kind of thing, but they were amazing. I love them. They're on my shelf. I've read them several times. They're so good. The the guy who played Kurt on Glee wrote um, the Land, Land of, of Stories. Stories. Yeah. Yes, they're amazing. Chris Colfer, he's incredibly talented. Those books are phenomenal. Have you read them? I read like the first two and then I got distracted. Okay. Yeah. That's how basically every book series on my shelf is. <laughs> I would say the only other author besides Marissa Meyer where I legit will read anything she wrote and I don't care what it's about is Meg Cabot. Oh, I'm familiar with the name. What books are they? She's probably most famous for The Princess Diaries. Yes. Okay. I was but like, I know written, that name, but I don't like, know why. She's the queen of young adults. She has written, do you know who Nora Roberts is? Yeah. The woman who can't stop writing romance, right? Yeah, yeah. She has Meg Cabot. 200, something. Yeah, that's Meg Cabot, but for young adult. That's insane. I'm Yeah. I'm really bad because, like, I, I'm an author, so I should be better at this, but I never... I hardly ever know who wrote a book. Like, I know the series, <laughs> but I never know authors' names. I'm the same with, like, actors and TV series. I'm like, yeah, that guy who played the guy. I have, I never know. It's awful. I seem like a fangirl of everything because I have a really good memory. So I know more information than I should. <laughs> and then people are like, oh, you must be a really big fan. And it's like, I read it somewhere once. That's impressive. It stays, it stays in here. It's how I've been able to do eight classes a semester <laughs> is That's I, a lot. I have a really good memory so I, I kind of trick myself into seeming like I'm an intelligent person <laughs> so I don't think there's anything else to go over this is the one-year bonus episode so it's coming out on the one-year podcast anniversary Yay! Uh, so thank you everyone for staying with me for an entire year especially considering we had some big changes this year. I, I used to have two co-hosts and they both couldn't do it anymore because it's just so time consuming and it's difficult to juggle three different schedules. But yeah, I was genuinely worried that no one was going to listen anymore. <laughs> so and I there was a moment there where I was like, well, should I keep going if I don't have, you know, co-hosts? And then I was like, Leah from YA Book Chat, who's probably one of the first like fellow podcasting friends that I made. I was like, she does a different guest for every episode. I mean, I could do that. Like, I could find a guest for all my episodes. If nothing else, I'll make my sister come on all the time. Like, so, yeah, big thank you to everyone for continuing to listen and toughing it out with me while I figured out how to keep going. <laughs> Congratulations on your one-year anniversary. Thank you. It's a big deal. I kind of can't believe it's here. A whole year for a podcast is really impressive. A lot of them don't even make it to episode 20. So that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was definitely, you know, when it when it came time for my co-host, originally they were just going to take like a hiatus. But, you know, like right after the hiatus started, the pandemic started. And so then it just became this thing where it was like, Ashley is in the military. Like she definitely has her time monopolized. Uh, Becca has two twin boys that are Ooh. two years old. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And she works full time and her and her husband, they live at like a campground 
they like they have an RV type lifestyle where they go from campground to campground and explore and stuff. So, you know, yeah, it's really incredible. But, you know, they just have such busy schedules. It got to this thing where we just we couldn't get our schedules to line up. And I I had a few days there where I was like, well, should I just stop? But I really like doing the podcast and I wanted to keep going. And so I, I did this. <laughs> I just changed. I flipped my whole format. I was like, all right, different guests and message every podcast I know. <laughs> I'm even super grateful to be here. I'm so glad you could come. This is great. I love getting new people. And hopefully I mean, that you enjoy it. And then you'll want to come back. <laughs> I honestly, like, I did not pick up this series until I was having you come on my podcast oh. and I was like well I can't interview her if I haven't <laughs> read any of them so I guess I need to do it because I had always been so resistant to it because I didn't like the original cover so I just never yeah. picked them up and then you know I started reading Cinder so that I could you know sound knowledgeable while you were on a book in a dream <laughs> And then I, I tore through that and I saw the new covers that came out and I was like, oh, this is amazing. So then I got Scarlet in the paperback with the new cover. And then I got most of the way through Scarlet. I had like 40 pages left. And I was like, well, I, I obviously need the next book. So I went to order it and then I finished the book that night and I was like, never mind. I'm not waiting two days for shipping. So I canceled my <laughs> order and got and I ended up with Cress and Winter in ebook. And you have to get Ferris, too. I I don't know. Like, I'm so torn about it because I didn't want to, like, stop the flow to, like, go so on a side journey. And I don't. Uh. I was very hesitant with Ferris to the point where I just read Ferris last January. Oh, wow. So six months into my podcast, the fourth or fifth time that I've read the series and I still because I was under the impression that it was like a redemption story for Lavana, And I was like, no, I hate her. I don't want her to be good. And I'm not going to give away spoilers. But if you don't read Ferris in between Crest and Winter, you are doing yourself a disservice to the series. I wish I could go back and tell myself to read it because I feel like that was a mistake I made for several years. <laughs> Maybe I will go back and read it then and then just reread like do Cress and then like go on from there again. Yeah, so it goes Cinder, Scarlet, Cress, Ferris, and then Winter. And Ferris is like 200 pages. I mean, you'll buzz right through it. Oh, that's not long at all. I just like when it came to that point and it was like in the queue, I was not willing to like step away from the action. I was like, no, yeah. I need I need to know what happens next. I can't go to like some other part of this. I need, we, we have to go now. <laughs> so, well, and I think that, I think what's great about it is that it's so short that it's okay to step away for a second. I think, have you read the Throne of Glass series? No, but it's on this big shelf of things. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, I binged that, I think it must have been like 2018. They're long books and there's seven of them. And I binged all of them within like four weeks, which mm. is impressive for me because I do the author and the actor. So it's like not a lot of time. But right. I was so mad when I got to Tower of Dawn in the series 
And it was like, okay, now step away onto this other continent for a full book. And I was so mad about it. I was like, no, keep going. Why are we doing this? So I think that was part of it was that I was just not willing to like take that step. I'll say this. This series is perfect for a reread. So the second time you read the series, read Fairest in between Crescent Winter, if you can't pull yourself away. But you have I, to read Crest because it's the next book in the series and you're going to come back. So <laughs> honestly, I would love to because there's like there is so much in there. Yeah. And like, <laughs> do you know the musical um, Into the Woods? Yes. Like some of the the things that are like in, in Into the Woods and in Crest and like my little geek heart was so happy. <laughs> Cress is my favorite book in the series. So being spoiler free has been very difficult for me because I just want to talk about Cress all the time and we're not there yet. So I have to like rein it in. But we're st- I've got Cress on the schedule right now for like the last week of June is when the first episode is going to come out. That's amazing. That's so soon. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited because like I said, that's my favorite books. So who is your favorite character from what you've read so far? Honestly, I like Scarlet best. Yay! Well, I love her because, I mean, she doesn't always make the best choices. Like, there are some significant <laughs> logic gaps that take place. I love her because you never once doubt her motivation. Mm. And you never once question if she's gonna give up, if she's not gonna follow through. Like... You've already gotten past this part, so I can say it. Like, it was totally in character for her to shoot Wolf in the arm. Like, she says she's going to do it, and she does it. it, That doesn't mean it didn't piss me off. Oh, no. It so frustrated me. (laughs) It's so frustrating, but, like, that's who she is, where she's like, no, I'm going to do this. And they're like, there is no second warning. Like, she's going to shoot you in the arm. And I, like, appreciate that so much, and I feel like especially with portrayals of teenage girls in YA, like you so rarely get someone who is, she's not wishy-washy. There's never like any second guessing. She's just like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. I like, hope I don't die. And I, I appreciate that about, about her so much. I think what I love about her and Cinder is that there's such strong female protagonists in such drastically different ways And a lot of times when you get a series about a girl who is, you know, strong and tough and stuff, it's that she's also not feminine. And I I hate that. I love the concept that Scarlet can still be, you know, she's tough and she can roll around in the dirt, but she's still she's still curvy and she's still feminine and she's still fun. And I I love that because I feel like in a lot of books, it's like what makes them this big, tough person is that they're not feminine. And I love when women get to be both. And the same for men, you know, you get a lot of book series and movies and TV shows where the man, it's that toxic masculinity and the men are these big, tough guys who can't show any emotion. And I think it's great when they do both. Yeah. It's, it's hard to find and it's so well done in this series. And I love that. Absolutely. Let's talk about fan art Friday. 
I shared, it's actually not Fan Art Friday, it's Fan Art Tuesday, because I decided since it's the one year anniversary, we'll do fan art for the one year anniversary. So this is from May 19th. There's two of them. Uh, the first one is from MRKITAP on Instagram, and it is the cover of Cinder with a crown and a veil, a flaming red high heel, a butterfly, and a cyborg arm. And it's amazing. It's so cool. It's really cool. I I, I really I, love the flaming high heel. Yes, I love the flaming high heel. I love that the crown has a, a veil on it. You can oh. like barely see it, but it's there. Oh yeah, it, I have it. I have it on my iPad, and I didn't notice it. But that's really, I like that detail. That's really neat. Yeah, I love it. I love everything about this picture is great, and I think it really captures you because at first glance, it's like, oh, cool, it's the cover, but there's so much more going on. Is that is that blood splashing up around the bottom of the the cyborg I think, arm? I think so. Ooh, that that has depth and meaning. Yeah, that's wow. that's what it looks like to me. I'm sure the artist will be happy to correct us. <laughs> <laughs> so a big thank you for sharing that with us. And then the second one is from from Lean Reads and Wander on Instagram, and it is a cyborg arm and a human arm. And floating above it in twinkly lights is the four covers, Cinder, Scarlet, Crest, and Winter. And I love it. I feel like it should literally be twinkling. That would be, yeah, it's so pretty. It is. And I I like that representation of the cyborg arm. Yeah, I do too. I love that that it's one of each and that you can see the similarities and the differences between them when they're sitting right next to each other like that. Um, Yeah. And I wanted to share these two because I thought... Well, it's not Fan Art Friday. It's a special fan art just for the one-year anniversary. So I wanted to do something a little bit different, a little bit out of the norm. And I luckily got permission to share both of these right around the same time. So I saved them. So I was like, I'm going to do these together because they're kind of similar and they're more, you know, digital and photography art than actual, you know, portrayals of people or scenery. Um, so a big thank you for sharing those with us. Again, you can follow both those artists on Instagram, Mr. Kit App on Instagram and from Lean Reads and Wander on Instagram. So next, the wonderful patrons voted on chapter titles for chapter 31 and 32. Chapter 31 is titled Wake Me Up by Avicii and chapter 32 is titled Hello by Evan Essence. And now it's time for chapter 33. Now, have you ever read a book like this where you take notes while you're reading and and reflect about what you're reading? Not really. Not since I was like in school. Right. I've never done it for anything other than school. I have a tendency to like tear through things so quickly. Sometimes I have to like go back and read a chapter because I'm like, okay, I must have missed something here. My bad habit is dialogue. If there's a lot of dialogue, I'll like sometimes skip what's going on in between the dialogue and I like just read the conversation and then like someone's passed someone a knife and then someone gets stabbed and you're like how'd they get a knife and that's how I end up having <laughs> to go back into a chapter yeah, before I'm like wait who what like I go too fast and I miss like things that are planted in there by the author that I really needed for later yeah and you know what's great is I've never done this before except for these books and I I think it's changed my entire outlook on this series because I've read this series and listened to the audiobooks for this series several times. And every chapter I notice something different. 
that I never noticed before. And I'm absolutely shocked because I'm like, I've read these so many times. How have I not picked up on that? And that's why I do the Easter eggs. And what I've learned from doing the podcast and from having such a great relationship with my listeners and with the Patreon members is that I'm not the only one missing all these tiny details. Everybody is like, wait, what? That happened? And so I'm like, yeah, there's, she really put a lot of effort into these, but like these books deserve the amount of detail that we're giving them in every episode. They're, they're amazing. And I love, I, I think my favorite thing about it is it's very skillful the way that new characters are layered in without making me mad that I'm not with the characters that I already know. I think that's what she does really well because I don't think every author is skilled enough to bounce back from different perspectives. But I think what makes it great is that like when she switches from one perspective to another, it's always a little bit of a cliffhanger. So when you get that perspective where it's like, oh, finally, we're back with Scarlet and we get to see what happens with her. And then a couple chapters later, you're like, you see Thorn and you're like, Thorn? Oh, no, wait, I'm really excited because last time I saw Thorn, this happened. And I think that's what makes it great when she's switching the character perspective so much. Yeah, I when I honestly, when I picked up Scarlet, oh, no, it wasn't when I picked up Scarlet. When I read like the bit in the back of Cinder that was like the excerpt of Scarlet, Mm-hmm. I almost didn't want to read Scarlet because I was like, this is stupid. Where's Cinder? And then I went and I picked it up and I read it and it was great. But I was so mad because I was like, no, I want to read about Cinder. I don't want to read about Scarlet. And now she's my favorite. But it was, it's it was very proud of me. It's a big transition because I remember having the same hesitation when I started reading Scarlet. I was like, because I, I also remember the first time I read Scarlet. It took a thousand years to finally get back to Cinder's story and reading it a second time. It's like, oh, no, it's like 25 pages. But it is so fast. But you're, like, you're so desperate. worthy of 25 pages. But you're just like, <laughs> you did not leave me in a great position with Cinder. And I don't care about this new person. I want Cinder. <laughs> Who's this bitch and where's my protagonist? <laughs> I mean, kind of, yeah. Like, I was really pissed about it. And... I am glad that I like continued because it's amazing, but it was a rough transition for me. I was not ready to have more points of view tossed at me. So what happened when I first read the second one is I started reading it and I got two pages in and I was like, did I grab the right book? And I flipped it so I could read the forward, the little excerpt, the synopsis that tells you what the book is about. And I was like, what is it? Oh, okay. Because it tells you like, this is who Scarlet is. And then it's like, And once you do that, you'll talk to Cinder again. And I'm like, oh, okay, so Cinder's still here. I just have to get back to that. Got it. Okay. But then it really did. It felt like it took forever to get to back to Cinder and her story. And, you know, we were on the podcast and we got to those chapters and I was like, really? I remember it taking forever and it's only like 30 pages. Well, don't I feel foolish? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're just so like engaged with cinder at that point and like there's so many bad things that they left you with that it just it felt rude to abandon her in prison for that (laughs) long yeah that's true and and you know what's funny is like i think what makes it really complicated is that all of all of this takes place in such a quick time frame you know like we're on page 329 of the second book, and it's only been like 12 days since the first book started. 
I don't think I ever realized that it was that close since the first book started. Since Kai and Cinder met at the market, it's been like at most two weeks. I never realized that. It's so quick. It happens so fast. That got out of hand really quickly. Oh, yeah. It happened so fast. And I think that that is what makes it so overwhelming. Because also, if you read books like Harry Potter, where it's like the whole book is one year, and then you come to this and it's like, wait, it's been a day and a half. Wait, really? It's been a day and a half? Because you get details of the entire thing. Because also in Harry Potter, you get, you know, for everyone who's read Harry Potter, there'll be chapters where it's like, you know, winter came and it's like, okay, well, last chapter it was September. So I guess we're just skipping ahead, you know, yeah. but in this series, we get every tiny detail. <laughs> I Now that I know it's only been like 12 days, I'm kind of questioning more Cinder's life choices. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, some of those choices were made for her. And I think that's, that's why true. she's having such an identity crisis at the moment. And she is 16, but, like, in my head, it had been, like, at least five weeks. No. That got out of hand so quickly. So. Wow. The day of the ball is, like, less than a week after the Emperor dies. The Emperor dies, like, four or five days after Cinder and Kai met at the market. And we start Scarlet the day after the ball. So it's been, like, at most two weeks. That's ridiculous. <laughs> this is like a running theme of the podcast that I'm constantly like, how the f- has it only been eight days? What is going on? Clearly, cyborgs don't sleep. Like, right. there's no way <laughs> she has not slept at all in this. Like, a couple chapters ago, we talked about how Kai definitely hasn't slept. He, it, it flat out said that Kai hadn't slept in 48 hours. Yeah, I mean, he, he literally couldn't have. That's not even insomnia at that point. Like, you haven't had time. Exactly. That's insane. So we left off last chapter. Thorn and Cinder were at the Benoit farm and they found Cinder's prison that she grew up in for eight years when she was the princess. And they found Michelle Benoit's ID chip. And then Emily showed up. Reader privilege. We get to know who Emily is. And faints because Thorn goes, bonjour, mademoiselle. Because he's Thorn, and of course he does. You know, it's it's how he lives his life, and he's gotten away with it. So, like, know. for him. He's a big flirt. I love that it starts out with, like, Cinder cussing. I like to guess what cuss words they say. Oh, I, that's good. Yeah, so for the one with Scarlet, when she was in the kitchen, you know, in one of the first chapters, I said that I, I thought she had said, <laughs> and I'll bleep that out. Because I'm ex- I I have a PG thirteen rating, but for everyone wondering, it was the S word. <laughs> yeah, I feel like in this case, like, and obviously it's gonna have to be bleeped, but I feel like Cinder's like, "Are you f- kidding me?" Yeah, or she's saying like, "For f- sake." Yeah, like something yeah. along those lines of like, "Did you really just do that right now?" Yeah, like that's your choice. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> So it's not the granddaughter. It's actually Emily, her friend. She has her beat up cover outside, but she's alone. Thorne wants to take her with them. Yeah. (laughs) And on like the one hand, I can totally agree with that because you don't want to hurt her, but you don't want her to like tell people. But on the other hand, like Thorne, think through your actions. That's really creepy, buddy. 
Right? It's That's also true. like, he's my favorite character. So I'm really upset with him right now because I don't think I noticed this before. And I'm like, I don't approve of this behavior. <laughs> like, we don't <laughs> kidnap our friends. <laughs> Girls are not for you to touch without permission. Yeah. But I mean, in his defense, like, he is very chivalrous in his <laughs> handling of her. He is. So, like, yeah. like, it could have been way worse. Well, and also, I d- like you said, I don't think that he has malicious intent. I think he's like, well, we can't let her call somebody. Yeah. So I, I understand that. And I just really love when he's like, I'm in love. She's gorgeous. Because I think he sounds like something Iko would say. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, like, she is gorgeous. So that's great. Like, good on you, buddy. You figured it out. (laughs) And maybe because he's already been to jail. But, like, he moved to kidnapping very quickly. Yeah. A little too quickly. That's a quick jump. That's a quick jump. Like, there are a lot of steps between, like, ooh, she passed out and we should kidnap her. Like, yeah. For starters, let's see if she's still alive. But I would say the easiest one is like what Cinder suggests, where she's like, let's get the f*** out of here before she wakes up. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I mean, also at that point, like, you're being followed by so many people. Someone was going to report you anyway. Like, you know. Also, you're being followed by so many people. Do you really want to take another person with an ID chip who can be tracked? Unless you're going to mutilate her and cut out her ID chip. Bringing her with you is a bad call. I don't think Thorne thought about the ID chip. The ID chip no. is a big deal. Yeah, Thorne thought about a hot girl. The ID chip really gets me because eventually somebody's going to notice that this girl is missing. They're going to go to the Benoit farm. They're going to look at surveillance. They're going to see that Thorne and Cinder were there and they're going to know how to track them. And they're going to be like, all right, we'll find this Emily girl's ID chip. Let's track her. And they're going to find Cinder and Thorne. And it's a honestly, they would have had to take her hover with them too at that point. Like, if they're going to take her, they have to take the hover. Well, we know that the Rampion has enough room for at least two hovers, so that is possible. I still think there's a way to find out that they have her and therefore track her and then find them. It's it's risky, yeah. And girls aren't worth it. Don't don't do it. Don't kidnap the pretty girl, not worth it. Yeah, we just don't kidnap people. So Thorne picks her up, he swoops her up, and he carries her to the living room. And Cinder has to tell him to put her down because he's being creepy. She grabs him by the shirt collar and yanks him back, as she should. I kind of wish she'd grabbed him by the ear a little bit. I do like that he does, like, carefully arrange her so that, like, she is not exposed. She's resting comfortably. Like, so as much as it is creepy, at least it's creepy in, like, a gentlemanly manner. Like, he's making sure that it says, like, he makes sure that her beard, her stomach is covered and that her legs are in, like, a nice comfy position. So, right. like, there is caring, not just creep. I think all of it would have been less creepy if he hadn't jumped on the kidnap bandwagon so quickly. You know, if he was like, wow, she's gorgeous. Do you think she's hurt? Let's pick her up and put her on the couch and make sure she's okay. But instead, he was like, I'm in love. She's gorgeous. And then he swoops her up and he's like, let's keep her. You know, like... I think if it had been addressed differently, it would be cute. But it's kind of somewhere in between, like, Thorne's my favorite character, so I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But this is really inappropriate. This doesn't fly in 2020. It shouldn't have flown back then. But he doesn't end up doing anything. Luckily, Cinder's there. So Cinder says, let's get the f*** out of here before she calms the police. But 
they can't because Thorin is a professional criminal. He's a criminal mastermind and he pickpocketed her and already took her port. Which is like good for him. Like there is a reason that he made it so long before he ended up in jail. Yeah. He does actually know a little bit of what he's doing. I love that he's like, I took it off her while you were busy panicking. He's like, oh, you remember that part where you were just panicking and shouting things? I was being productive and actually, you know, making attempts to do something useful. <laughs> and, and you don't really think of Cinder as a character who would panic. But yeah. also Cinder's in uncharted territories. That's true. That's true. Thorne is Cinder, like an international criminal world traveler. Yeah. This is like Cinder's first farm. Well, no, because, you know, also lived there in a cell for eight years so but she has no memory of it yeah but i mean cinder is a very confident person when it comes to her field had they been you know in a mechanic shop somewhere or something where she felt a little bit more comfortable and she wasn't out of her comfort zone she probably would have been able to keep a more level head but at the moment she's already overwhelmed with seeing the prison that she grew up in for eight years that she didn't even remember she knows that they're on to her. She knows they've been on Earth long enough that they could have been tracked. And now they've got this to worry about. And so her reaction is like, how are we going to get out of here? I don't want to get arrested and taken to prison and die. And I, I'm on Cinder's side because this is me. I would panic. I would go to worst case scenario. I would be the one that's like, somebody's going to have to be like, you need to calm down. And I do. I would freak out. That's just me. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know... Everyone's trying to murder you. So it is a lot. That is a very stressful situation. That's true. Cinder panicking is a mood. (laughs) So Thorne says that we need to talk to her about Benoit. What if she knows something? And he says that he would just take her with them. That was his plan. But plan B is we at least need to interrogate her for information. And he goes, I used to have this game I played with my (laughs) ex-girlfriend. He was like, don't be jealous. And I just started laughing. Thorn, like, the number of ex-girlfriends, man. <laughs> Not gonna lie, like, the first scene with Thorn when he was, like, talking about, like, how he had, like, the tablet with all the different exes on it. I thought they were talking about, like, a 40-year-old man. Oh, really? But no. Yes, because he was like, oh, yeah, and this one and this one. And, like, the way he was talking about, like, how many epic exes he had and how many loves he'd had, I was like, oh, well, this is, like, a middle-aged dude, replacement for, you know, doctor character. No, no. He's just, like, moves quickly. I think there's also a misconception about dating in general. Because, um, what's a good go-to? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift gets this rep that she can't stop dating people, that she's always dating people. And if you look at her timeline, she got into the business when she was 15. She's 30 now. She's actually only dated eight people. Which is like nothing. It's practically nothing. I've dated more than eight people and I got married at 23. But because her music is so focused on love and breakups and friendships and things like that, it's this constant force of like, ooh, what boy is she talking about? And it's like none. You know, there are five songs from her Reputation album that were inspired by episodes of Game of Thrones and Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) They had nothing to do with her own personal relationships whatsoever. But but it's a misconception. There's this this, you know, reputation out there, this misconcepted reputation that she's full of ex lovers. 
But I think it's the same with Thorne. I think he probably does have several ex-lovers. But I feel like at the age, I think he's supposed to be like 20, 21. I feel like he probably has 10 at the most. And he's just an exaggerate. Because also, I feel like some of those are ex-lovers. And some of those are girls that rejected him. And he's just counting them anyway. He's like, I tried. She's still hot. <laughs> I was in love with her. She never spoke to me. But it counts. It counts. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I've been married since I was 23. Um, we got together when I was like 20, 19, 20. Um, but I dated several people. Well, dated is a strong word. I guess when you're in high school, it's more, we hung out after school and went to dances together. But I I mean, I probably dated like five or six people. So if I, you know, were to have been single another seven years, that probably would have doubled, if not more, because now I'm actually an adult and I can like go to bars and meet people and stuff. So I, I feel like for Thorne, it's all exaggerated drastically. Yeah, that would. And it is, I mean, it is Thorne to, you know, make himself out to be the dashing prince when, you know, he's interrogating his ex-girlfriends. Well, his resume has to match his ego. So he probably lies a lot. <laughs> right. That's fair. So Thorne teases Cinder about being jealous, and that's when Emily, like, whimpers in her sleeve. She starts to wake up. Thorne gets away from Cinder and goes up to her, and he's like, we won't hurt you. She has a very endearing European accent, and she goes, you're the, the, which automatically made me think of the Grinch. Have you seen that? That's hysterical. Yes, I have. And that's amazing. the, 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 the Grinch. Like, that's what I thought of, because she's like, you're the, the escape lunar cyborg fugitive so she says are you going to kill me thorn is so charming here i love it he's he's so 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 charming no 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 no. of course not we just we just want to ask you a few questions that's all just just ask you a few questions emily a beautiful name for a beautiful girl like he's just such a charmer and i feel like this is this is how Thorne gets his ladies. Like, he's charming to a T. He knows what to say. He knows how to say it. He knows how to act. He knows when to flirt. He knows when to draw it back. Like, he's just a big flirt. Yeah. Yeah. In my head, I just keep picturing, like, him trying to question Scarlet like that and her shooting him in the arm. Scarlet would not be dealing with any of this shit. Scarlet would have shot their ass for walking into her home. Like if Scarlet came home and they were walking around, she would have walked in with her pistol and been like, you have two seconds to give me a good answer as to why you're in my house. Like, they're so lucky. They're so lucky she wasn't there. (laughs) No, they would have been shot out already for sure. Oh, yeah. So the girl starts freaking out and Cinder gets super annoyed. She like bangs her head out of frustration and, and it scares the girl. And she stares at Cinder's cyborg hand and she tries to apologize. She tries to be friendly, but Emily just freaks out. She starts begging for her life, which is completely unnecessary. And Cinder realizes she isn't afraid of her because of her cyborgness. She's afraid of her because she's a lunar. And that is a different thing than Cinder is used to. Yeah, that's so rough because, you know, you've been like, an outcast for one thing your whole life and you're like finally used to it even though you've just been you know epically humiliated enough to be on the news at the bar and then it's like oh now there's this whole thing where it's not even like revulsion anymore it's actual genuine fear for her life like 
it's a different, you know, awful, icky level. Well, I also think that part of it, you know, I think back to that very first chapter of Cinder where she's like, it's not like wires are contagious. Cinder being a cyborg is something she's never been able to control. It's something that she's is associated with fear, even though she can't actually hurt anyone. And she knows, like, I can't hurt anyone. This is just a stereotype. She can hurt people as a lunar. And that's a fact. Uh, yeah. she's, she's been very aware of that fact ever since she found out she was lunar. I mean, she called them brutal savages. So I think that it's different just because, like, as a cyborg, she's like, okay, but I can't really hurt you. But now, like, that fear, she knows that it's genuine, it's warranted, and that she had those same fears and still has those same fears when she thinks about thaumaturges and other lunars and Lavana, even just later in this chapter. Yeah, I just feel so, like, horrible for that level of self-loathing. Like... Being a 16-year-old and carrying around that much self-hatred is just, like, terrible. I also feel like, and I'm sure everybody's had some extent of, you know, self-deprecation that they've dealt with, even if it's minor. But I also feel like with Cinder, part of it is self-loathing and part of it is this, like, huge identity crisis that she doesn't want to address. And I think well, that's where the self It has been less than in. two weeks. <laughs> Well, it's been like 48 hours since she found out she was the princess. That's true. I, and how long before that was it that she found out she was lunar? Like just like a couple more days. days, right? Like four yeah. days. She found out she was lunar like four days ago. It's probably been like five or six days since she found out she was a lunar. And I think it's been less than a week since Peony died. Yeah. And I'm sure listeners are, if I'm wrong, I'm sure plenty of listeners are screaming right now and I'm going to get lots of messages. So please (laughs) tell me if I'm wrong. I love to be corrected. It makes me feel like I have friends. (laughs) So (laughs) Cinder throws up her hand. She says, fine, you take care of it. She goes, she sits on the staircase. She decides she's just going to listen and watch the door and make sure nobody comes. And I love and hate the part where it says she's getting a headache. Oh my God, girl, I've been there. I hate the feeling of knowing you're about to get a headache. Also because headaches for me usually turn into a migraine within like two hours. So I know I've got like this small window where I can like hurry up and get stuff done. And then I need to take some medicine and go to sleep. Yeah. Well, and also like finding out, well, not that she just found out, but like knowing how much of her brain and all of that isn't human. Uh, so it's not even like a normal headache. Cause it's not even like human slash lunar head. It's like, what's going on in there like that's got to be super terrifying when your brain isn't really like a normal brain i wonder how she turns it off so she can sleep can you imagine having your phone in front of your face every time you try to go to sleep i wonder if there's like a a switch or if it just never like it's just in sleep mode like i'm like, not as yeah like as long as there's no like input coming in mm-hmm Maybe it like goes to sleep until she like opens her eyes or moves or there's like some outside stimulus, like, you know, clicking your computer mouse pad or something. Yeah, I would have to say I would think that's what it would have to be, because otherwise, like, what is going on? I have no idea. Yeah, that's awful. I completely agree. Like, glad you're alive. But oh, that's that's rough, man. It is rough. There's there's so many like benefits to it, to being this, you know, cyborg. But there's a lot of things that make it sound 
just horrible. Yeah. Not, I mean, obviously better than, you know, burning to death. Of course. Like clearly not ideal. Right. This is where she has her identity moments where she's really going into like what you said with the self-loathing. Once people looked at her with revulsion and that was already hard enough to deal with, but now it's terror and she hates this identity. It surely wouldn't have been her choice if it had been given to her. Lunar, cyborg, fugitive, outlaw, outcast. Cinder buried her face in her arms and urged the swirling injustices to go away. She would not get carried away with self-loathing. She had too many other things to worry about. Okay. Obviously, I've never had the weight of a mutant race on my shoulders. But, oh my god. (laughs) The concept of, like, I don't have time for this. I got too much other stuff to worry about is, at the moment, the story of my life. Because I'm taking eight classes my job is normally like 10 hours a week. Last week I worked 47. Oh, wow. And then I have the podcast and I decided to do a bonus episode. So I, I was, I had, <laughs> I recorded, <laughs> I recorded four episodes in a 10 day period and, wow. I have, and I have finals next week. So I am definitely at a high right now where it's like just one little thing is going to set me off and I'm feeling the self-loathingness because like I was, well, I'm also like a really dramatic and emotional person. And, um, Oh, I left the dog outside. That's what happened. I left the dog outside. And so I have two dogs. One of them comes to the door when he's called one of them. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. So I was like, fine, I'll just close the door and come back for you. And I did not go back for him. Oh, puppy. He he was out there for at least 10 minutes, which I know is not that long. And it doesn't even seem like he noticed because when I went out there, he was just walking around and I was like, hey, are you coming inside? And he was just like, all right. But it's enough (laughs) that it made me feel like a horrible mother. So (laughs) I had a complete breakdown. And that's me. That's now I'm this horrible mother, which isn't necessarily true, but I just felt that way. And I was in a mood and I was like. I I don't even have time to sit here and cry and apologize to him and deal with that because I still need to fold laundry and put it away. I still need to do the dishes. I still need to type something up for this class. And then I really need to go to bed because I have to get up in like seven hours. So it's like, obviously, I haven't, you know, dealt with what Cinder's dealing with. But I definitely feel the I got too much going on to worry about my emotions right now. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's like a um, it's a severe like genre of mood at the moment where it's like, that is one thing too many. And I'm just not going to deal with it. Like we're going to tuck that into a deep, dark corner and hope it shrivels up and dies before I have to feel it. Cause I can't do it right now. Like it's, it's truth, man. Yeah. And I think that it's Cinder's way of like compartmentalizing. Like obviously she would love to sit here and try to figure everything out and have a conversation, a much needed conversation with herself. But self-care is not an option at the moment, unfortunately. I hope everybody, by the way, is still practicing self-care. I know it's a hot mess in the world right now, but it's essential. If I've learned anything else from taking on too many responsibilities, it's that self-care is essential. And Cinder just has not had the chance to do that. From the start of the series, it was just stress. We started off with her meeting the hot prince. And then five minutes later, 
the plague broke out a hundred feet away from her. And then literally later that afternoon, her sister went to the quarantines and she went to testing. That all happened in the same day, like four hours after she met Kai, they went to the junkyard an hour after they got to the junkyard. Peony was taken away to the quarantines. This book started off with Cinder already in like a really emotional state. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at it, she's lost really both of, well, her only two friends. Mm hmm. Like, and she kind of has Iko back. But like, not like not she the, needs. Not in the same way that she needs. Yeah. And there's so much guilt involved in her situation that it's like, sorry, I'm making you do this thing you really aren't happy with. But whatever uh, choice that I have. Yeah. yeah. Like, thanks for saving my life. Sorry if this sucks for you. Like, that's an awful responsibility, too. And her only companion right now is Thorn. And I mean, they don't hate each other. Like, they're not besties. I which I'm very grateful for because love triangles can be overwhelming. So I'm very grateful that this isn't like a love triangle thing. But it would be nice if they got along a little bit. <laughs> I feel like he like falls in love so easily. But it's like, Hermione says about Ron Weasley and Harry Potter, like, you have the emotional depth of a teaspoon. A teaspoon, yeah. Like, like, that's great that you're in love, but do you understand, like, trauma is happening here? Right. It's also, like, it's great that you're in love, but, like, do you know anything about love? <laughs> no. Like, no. Okay. Like I said before, <laughs> I've been married. You know, I've, I got married when I was 23, so I've been married seven years. My husband and I have been together for a decade. I had no idea what love was when I got married. The way that I feel about my husband now, the connection that we have, the relationship, the bond, I love him so much more now than when we got married because I have a deeper understanding of like, not just what love is, but what it means and what it means to me specifically to have those things in a partner because, and not everybody looks at relationships like that, but I look at him as my partner. He's not just my husband. Like he is the person I'm spending my life with. Therefore, my decisions affect him and vice versa. So we're partners. We've chosen to be partners for the rest of our lives. And I mean, I'm 30 years old and I had no idea what love was. And I think back to like, you know, old songs that I used to hear in high school and think I was in love with my first crush. And I'm just like, Thorne has no idea what real emotional that is. No, he's just, he, you know, survives on a dream and a pretty face. And I mean, if you've got a pretty face, more power to you. It can be very profitable if Hollywood has taught us anything in life. (laughs) (laughs) So true. (laughs) In in another reality, Thorne is a... uh, uh, a famous actor bad boy, right? Who has too many, you know, he's the Leonardo DiCaprio. So yeah, he just like, he's, he just smizes at the camera. That's like, it. Yeah. just like a smize and he gets a million dollar paycheck and he's like, yeah, I'm going to go back to my pool. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for Thorne, you know, and, and maybe we'll see more of this. It's spoiler free. We don't know. But I think that for Thorne, the very concept of love is this 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 surface level, superficial, physical attraction limitation. That's all it is. He's calling chemical love love when chemical love is it's lust, it's hormones. 
Like your nose is picking up on some scents and you think you're in love. Like it's yeah. different, buddy. And not that that kind of attraction can't lead to love, but you know, love is just such a deeper thing than that. And I, I know that a lot of our listeners, like, I know that a lot of my listeners are really young. So I just, I don't want to harper down. I don't want to like ruin your image of love and like Bethany turned her marriage into a partnership, but it's not fun anymore. No, romance is alive and well. I'm a big romantic. But I think that the older you get, the more that you realize there's more to it than the romance that you see like in movies and TV shows and books. And, you know, when I was in high school, I used to think romance had to be these big, huge, grand gestures because that's what you see in movies and TV shows and books. And I came home from a very long day at work the other day and my husband had built a bookcase and put it in my office for me. And to me, that was the most romantic thing that could have ever happened. But a 16-year-old me probably wouldn't have appreciated that. Yeah. No, it does. I mean, I... I got married when I was 23, so we've been married for 11 years now, and I we met when we were 18, we got together, and so, like, we did the whole gamut from, like, that crazy teenage love where you're just, like, kind of a little bit stupid because you're, like, so infatuated with this person, and luckily, like, it did grow into something that, you know, became something worthy of marriage, but it's, it's so true, and it's actually one of my my qualms with a lot of fairy tales, especially like Disney fairy tales, where like these two people don't really know each other and they've been through like two hours of trauma together ever. And then they get married and it's like, no, marriage is about like dirty socks. Yeah. Like (laughs) that's the nitty gritty of it. And like, I love my husband. He is my human. He is my partner in crime. He is my travel buddy. Like absolutely. He is my favorite person in this entire world and I would not be able to do anything without him. But really... It's about like coffee in the morning, dirty socks, and who knows where the reusable grocery bags are. Yeah. Like, I always tell people it's smell the baskets. Is this clean or dirty laundry? Smell it and we'll find out. Who knows? Because that's sometimes that's just where you live. It's, it's paper plates instead of regular plates. It's, you know, we're on such a tangent, but I don't mind. My my last episode was <laughs> two hours and 39 minutes, and I had over 30 people message me and say how much they loved that the episode was long <laughs> and that they loved how many tangents were in it. And I was like, you know what? That gives me free reign to just talk as much as I want. <laughs> but what, what I'll say about marriage is this. I never really considered marriage a thing. Um, my parents had a very unhappy marriage. If anything, what I what I learned is that divorce is a good thing because they're much happier and nicer people now that they're not together. And my husband and I met when I was 16. We were friends for a very long time before we got together. We got together for in a very casual way for about a year. And there was always this like thing of he's going into the military and he didn't want a commitment when he went into the military. So it was just supposed to be fun for a little while. But then he ended up not going into the military for over a year. And by the time he actually left, we were in a much different place than going out and getting coffee every once in a while. And we still decided to, you know, go our separate ways. I had no desire to be a wife or a military wife at the age of 21. And it did not work. I was very unhappy. And the biggest thing both of us said is we must start friends because that's that's who he is. 
when something funny happens, I want to tell him. When something exciting happens, he's the first person I want to celebrate with. When I'm having a bad day, he's the only person that I know is going to make me feel better. When I'm ready to just vent and let it all fly out of my mouth, I know that he's going to be the person that listens to me and helps me through you know, that situation. He's the person I can call at two in the morning. He's also the person that's going to snore and wake me up at two in the morning, but that's just how <laughs> it is. And, you know, I mean, like I said, 22 year old me didn't really understand all of that stuff. And what made us get back together was kind of that, but partly it was, we missed having each other as friends. And so both of us sort of reached out in this way of like, look, just because it didn't work out doesn't mean we can't still be friends, right? Because like, I really miss my friend. I try to talk to you all the time. And then I realize we don't do that anymore. And then of course, that friendship grew back into love. And then we got married a couple years later. But this kind of love, where it's, you know, like you said, surviving something traumatizing together, or, you know, having a couple flirtations and almost kissing in the elevator. It's great. It's fireworks and butterflies and it's new and exciting and it's fun. And that's wonderful. But there is this deeper thing out there. And they're so young, they just don't have that in them yet. Well, and I think that's what I like most about Scarlet in this series is that she is so much more pragmatic mm-hmm. that I can relate to her more. And it is because she's two years older, which is a huge difference. Like 16 to 18 is a massive deal. But I love that about her that it's not this instantaneous like with Emily where she's like, Ugh, hot guy in bar. I love you. Yeah. Like, there is this like, I have other priorities. I have this thing I have to do. Like, that's great that you're hot, but like, I'm busy right now. Which and is I, kind I of love that about her. That's very similar to what Cinder did too, though, because Pearl, Peony, Igo were jumping on board so fast. They were like, oh my God, you know the prince. Why are you not jumping on this? And Cinder was like, because I'm a mechanic cyborg and all I'm doing is fixing his android. And then hoping I never have to go through this foolish awkwardness ever again. Like she was very realistic about her expectations. And I think part of that is just, you know, self-preservation because Cinder didn't want to admit that she liked Kai and that she might be able to develop feelings for him. And I feel like Cinder and Kai had a much longer opportunity. It's still only like a week, but it's much longer than a day and a half (laughs) than Scarlet and Wolf had to develop their feelings. And I think, you know, watching what happens with Cinder and and Kai, what I really loved was all the little tiny moments because it brought me back to my tiny moments. You know, her getting excited to see him when he when he randomly showed up at the um, the the marketplace and when they bumped into each other at the elevator when he kept asking her to the ball when they almost kissed. It's it's so sweet and it's so young and fun and I mean like I said it's butterflies and who doesn't love those butterflies and I think it's okay that it doesn't you know if it doesn't turn into something deeper because they're 16 you know they're 18 that shouldn't be their main focus which is thank god thank Disney for Frozen for somebody finally saying you can't marry a man you just met because and I've had people before who've been like well what about arranged marriages okay my grandparents had an arranged marriage it's not someone you just met These people are vetted. Your family goes into a lot of 
they, they, they put in a lot of work to make sure who they're attaching you to is a good fit. So even if it's someone you just met, that person has been vetted to make sure that they are a good fit for you, whether for financial reasons or whatever. It's not someone nobody knows anything about, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's makes not stranger danger who shows up at the ball. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And I know that was like a crazy 30 minute tangent on love advice or whatever, but <laughs> I just, I think that it's important to acknowledge that Thorne is this different character when it comes to love. Cinder is very guarded. Kai was probably jumping into it more than anything because he knew what was about to happen and he wanted, you know, a last opportunity to have that teen love. It was puppy love or whatever. Wolf and Scarlet, I don't know what the f*** going on there. Obviously, both of them have feelings, but reader privilege, we know that and they don't. And then Thorne is just like, I love you. I love you. You're hot. You're gorgeous. Who wants to take me out to dinner? Like, and it's that carefreeness <laughs> that I love so much about him because these books are so serious. It's nice to have, granted, he should take life a little bit more seriously, but it's nice to have someone who's chill for a second. Well, it also like he is chill, but it also shows like a form of resilience on his part. Like he's been locked in jail. He's lost his spaceship. He's done this. He's done that. And he's like, you know, he never crumbled. Maybe he didn't take it as seriously as he should have. (laughs) He's been resilient and he's bounced back. And, you know, he gets some points for that, even if he is a little creepy with picking the passed out girl up off the floor. I think that, yeah, he's just blissfully unaware, but at least he's blissful. Yeah. Like, yeah. he could, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, that's what we see right here when he's trying to get Cinder, when he's trying to get information out of her, he's doing it by being charming, by trying to coax it out of her. And it's because of him not getting anywhere with that behavior that Cinder realizes she actually can get this girl to talk. She can totally interrogate her in a really calm way because she can use her gift to convince her that she's safe. Yeah. I do like the part where it says guilt doesn't dispel her temptation. Yeah. And I'm, she feels guilty, I mean, but she still knows that, that she can do it. And I, okay. It's better than kidnapping her. Like, Clearly, we've moved up from kidnapping or killing or, like, any of those things. But, like, oh, it's so uh, wrong. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things we could say it's better than, right? They're not physically torturing her. They're not emotionally torturing her like they did with Scarlet, making her think she was talking to her grandmother when really she wasn't. But I mean, it's really like giving her six shots of vodka. Like, they're just, like, making her a little loopy and, like happy to or be there or something yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's kinder but it's still taking advantage it's yeah. still tapping into someone's vulnerability without their consent yeah it's yeah just because it's like the best option out of all the bad options doesn't mean it's not still a bad option and i guess the reason it bothered me so much in this case when like obviously like this isn't the first instance you've seen of her using her gift Right. Is because poor Emily is so, like, she's just trying to take care of her friend's chickens. Yeah. Like, she's just this sweet girl who's just trying to make sure the chickens don't starve. Yeah. And 
everyone else has sort of been like complicit or a part of the enemy thing or like something. And she's the chicken wrangler. And it just seems like so sad. Yeah, she just showed up to help out her friend. Wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. It's hard. It's heartbreaking. It is. And I I get what Cinder is, you know, going through here where she's like, I don't know what to do and everything. And she even says she was not like Queen Lavana and her thaumaturges and all the other lunars who abused this gift, brainwashed and controlled and controlled others for their own selfish gains. But if controlling someone were for the greater good and only for a short time, okay, greater good gives me mad HP vibes. Oh, yeah. Can't hear that without thinking of Grindelwald. No. Did you ever see, um, it's kind of an obscure, maybe it's obscure, I don't know, Shaun of the Dead? God, so long ago. <laughs> but they have, like, this this thing where, like, the village council is evil and they're all in black robes and they're like, the greater good, the greater yes, good. Yes. And they, like, chant it and I was like, ooh, like, any situation where that's what you're telling yourself, it's, oh, this isn't. Ah, oh, that's not the place you want to be. And I mean, you you can you honestly you can see versions of for the greater good throughout history. I believe one of the phrases that Hitler used translated to English is for the good of the country, for the good of Germany. Yeah. So a very similar, you know, lyrical concept. And for the greater good, I think because it was such a big impactful moment in Harry Potter, that's why I associate it there. But it's a really disturbing concept because that's the position Kai is in right now. It is for the benefit of the greater good that he finds Cinder and turn her over to Lavana because otherwise Lavana is going to attack the entire planet. He's literally responsible for the lives of millions of people. So it's for the greater good that he hands over Cinder. But he doesn't want to because he has feelings for Cinder. That's a horrible position to be in. Obviously, the right thing to do in quotations would be for him to turn Cinder over. But that's the greater good. That's the concept. Do you do what makes you happy? Do you save the life of one to sacrifice the the lives of millions? Yeah. And I, I'm not, I don't want to necessarily compare that to Cinder abusing this girl and, you know, interrogating her. But the whole concept of for the greater good, it's this, you know, it's this horrible check and balance system that we have in the world. Yeah. And it's yeah. such a slippery slope. It is. It is. And she even says it's for her own good. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's better than taking her with them, question mark. I mean, in my head, I'm, like, giving her lenience because she just saw, like, the sponge bed. Well, it's not a sponge bed, but you know what I mean, where she was, like, kept for eight years. So there's, like, a lot of trauma going on. And she is, like, kind of having a panic attack. So, like, I get that. But at the same time, I'm like, come on, honey, you're the protagonist. Like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta rally. I also think part of it is that she has been desperate for answers her whole life, but even especially now. And she came to this farm to get answers and she just came to the realization that she was about to walk out of there without anything. And now she's like, I have a way to get even just a shred of information. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so that's what she does. She comes over 
She's kind, friendly, and welcoming. And here's where she brainwashes her. Just completely brainwashes her. And it's horrible. We're your friends. We're here to help you. Emily's eyes brightened. Emily, can you tell us where Michelle Benoit is? A last tear slipped unnoticed down Emily's cheek. I don't know where she is. She disappeared three weeks ago. The police never found anything. Like, it's so creepy. It's so disturbing and so sad. And so this is, this. there's an egg hatch here. Michelle Benoit was taken from the farm while Scarlett was out giving deliveries. I did think it was cute that she called her Scarling. I, I thought that was I really, like the nickname. I know, it's I nice. thought that was really cute. She took no belongings. She left her ID chip, her port. Scarlett might know something. She left a few days ago, asked Emily to watch the farm, but she didn't tell Emily anything, and she hasn't heard from her since. But she's not worried, because Scarlett is a tough girl. And even creepier, her expression brightened like a child's. Have I helped? Have I helped? I want to help. And that's when Cinder's like, ooh. Cinder flinched at the girl's eagerness. Yeah. And... But Thorne jumps right in on it. He's like, actually, I do have one more question. Is there a good parts store nearby? Well, I also wonder, like, how, like, obviously Thorne knows, like, she has lunar abilities. But I also wonder, like, does he understand how much it's transforming Emily? Or, like, could he in his head think, like, oh, I softened her up, like, I don't know because he isn't in Cinder's head. Like, does he know how bad this thing is that just happened? You know? Or yeah, maybe I'm giving him too much of a benefit of the doubt. No, I mean, he can be kind of dense. So I could totally see it being him not picking up on it at all. Or him not realizing, like, how severe it is. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't notice or remember when she used her gift on him. And he yeah. didn't care when she apologized. She was like, I'm sorry I did that. And he was like, eh, whatever. Because again, just completely carefree guy shrugs his shoulders and walks it off. Yeah, so I think maybe he like didn't quite get it. Yeah, I think it went over his head for sure. Because he <laughs> had very little reaction to anything. Yeah, he was still just like ogling how pretty she was. Yes. So that's the end of chapter 33. Did you have a chapter title? I did. So because this is not the first time that she sort of thought, well, I could just maybe only this once. I went with Oops, I Did It Again by Britney Spears. (laughs) I love it. So my the soundtrack of my childhood. Yeah, because like, it's it's getting a little deliberate at this point. Like, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I went a different direction. I went Be Calm by Fun. Um, it's literally like, you need to stop panicking. You need to chill the fuck out. Be calm. I can't tell you enough times. Just be calm. I want to talk to you. I want to work this out. You need to be calm. And so I was thinking of that, like, 
the whole time I was reading this chapter when they were trying to get Emily to talk, like I kept thinking of that song in my head because there's a moment where it's like, be calm. And like the song is really well written because the the verses are really like loud and disruptive and, you know, upbeat. And then it comes to the chorus and it's like really soft and mellow and chill. And I felt like that's how this chapter <laughs> was a little bit. So yeah. <laughs> so patrons will get to vote on which chapter title we choose. What was your quote from this chapter? So I liked the one that you picked that I had, but if I had to choose a second one, it was the on page 334, but if controlling someone were for the greater good, not because I liked the sentiment, but just because of the visceral reaction that it gave me. It instantly put me in that place of like, no, you should not make this choice. Absolutely. I usually pick my quote based on like, I I don't like to write in books. (laughs) So what I do is I have like a pencil and I'll make like a dash mark here and there. And a lot of times I'll make dash marks. I'm like, oh, that's a nice line. That's a nice line. And I'll get to the end of the chapter and something will drastically stand out to me. And I'm like, that has to be my quote. And, you know, we already went into Bethany's ridiculously long tangent about why this quote matters to me. Um, but my quote was, she would not get carried away with self-loathing. She had too many other things to worry about. I just, that's such a mood right now. <laughs> I feel yep. you. I realize that my responsibilities are minimal in comparison to what you're going through, but I'm just saying I feel it. Yes, it is a mood. So chapter 34, Wolf and Scarlet. I was so happy when I found out that I had this chapter. (laughs) It's a good chapter. So we're back with Wolf and Scarlet. We last saw Scarlet being taken back to her cell after being tricked by the thaumaturges into thinking she was talking to her grandmother and actually giving away information. We last saw Wolf finding out that Scarlet had been with Rand and the thaumaturges. He was worried about her safety and he got assigned to lead the fight in Lavana's war, which starts this evening at six o'clock and midnight in New Beijing. So it's on the horizon. Yeah. That's coming up fast. Like, that's a last minute plan. You know what? I feel like it's not. That's like enough time to like rally all that. No, but I feel like Lavana just needs to pull a trigger. I feel like Lavana is is one of those leaders that like has a million different plans going on all at once. And it's just a matter of like, all right, let's do this one. It's ready to go. She basically just has to be like, strategic she's a very strategic person yeah i mean yeah that is totally true we're like they have like been ready for this moment i don't know it's just like to me being like hey i send you out to kill all these people it just seems like (laughs) very last minute to me yeah like i would need like at least 48 hours notice and like probably some snacks first like yeah i would want to take a nap at least yeah like that's a that's a lot of like last minute pressure. Like you yeah. just like jumped off some trains and were like tramping through the woods. And now it's like, oh, and hope you're not hungry. Go kill some people. That's that's a lot. Well, <laughs> Clearly, we I'm been... not built for having this much happen in two weeks. 
Well, we know that it's been around 12 hours since they got to headquarters. So he's probably had enough time to, we know that he showered and shaved and got cleaned up, but he probably had enough time to eat, you know, get a good nap and practice some self-care and hygiene. But I mean, he just got off a very like emotionally in-depth assignment with some severe personality extortion. Is that the right word for it? So, I mean, it's a lot to add. And, you know, the funny part is it seems like it's supposed to be this huge honor of, like, good job in Ryu. We're all super proud of you. For all your hard work, we're going to make you do more hard work. You can lead the charge tonight. Peace out. Yeah. And I feel like that's such a, like, stupid move on management's (laughs) part. Like... It is. It is. You've taken time to assess the trauma that's occurred. Like, I feel like you maybe should have done like a debrief before you made these decisions. Like, mm, I feel like we could have made better choices in this situation. But, you know, that's all a fiction. If everyone made good choices, there wouldn't be books. But also, if the other choices are people like Rand, I mean, I would also want Wolf in charge. (laughs) I mean, but if you're going for mass casualty, I feel like... Well, I don't know then, because I feel like you have a higher like, percentage. Well, like, even if you're know. going for mass casualty, like, even if your goal is mass casualty, somebody has to implement that, and that's somebody true, has true. to be the person who's actually causing the tra- like the casualties, but somebody has to be pulling the yeah. strings of all these people causing those casualties. So even if that's what you're going for, like he's not the cannon fodder at the front of the fight. He's one of the strategists. Yeah, that's true. Because when wolves hunt, they do have to like circle and all those important things. So yep. someone would and need to be in charge of that to make sure that like everyone doesn't just escape. Yep. And he's an alpha. That's his job. <sighs> it's awful. Yeah. So... Scarlet is having trouble sleeping, of course. <laughs> Her nightmares are filled with thaumaturges and wolves. She wakes up, there's two trays of food have been left for her, but she ignores them, even as her stomach growls. I'm not sure what good it does to starve yourself. If you're trying to get out of there or stage a coup or something, you're going to need sustenance, but that's just me. Yeah. I mean, unless she's worried that it's like drugged or poisoned or I could get that like but it might just be abstinence and grief at this point I feel like with Scarlet it's stubbornness more than anything else yeah I think she's being stubborn and she's literally like I don't need your food I don't need you and I don't need your food I need my grandmother and then I'm gonna get the out of here she's so cool (laughs) she is so cool she's looking around the room and she sees that there are sketched initials on the wall either from a rising opera star or maybe a prisoner of war who died there, which for some reason that just really stuck out to me. Her wondering about the plight of people who had been in this room before her. It was, so this whole like portion of the book with like the opera house was so interesting to me, but like having been an actor who's like performed in like those big venues and everything, I am so familiar with like the random initials and show tags and things that show up places that to me it was so interesting that like the two could be mixed together and you wouldn't know which was which yes that really stood out to me just because like I can picture the one in my head so well that 
adding in the POW, like it created mm-hmm. such dissonance in my head. I was like, Ooh, cause it could either be, you know, Brooks was here yeah. or cast of cats, 1994. Yeah. And like Brooks was here. Like I, you see that in roadhouses where like, that's what actors write on the wall sometimes. And you're like, Oh, that could, could go either way. One of the things I wondered too, is it says that there's, we, we know that this is basically an old dressing room and that everything is pretty antiquated and, and kept with the style. And then there's the ID scanner and the barred doors. Yeah. And I wonder if the ID scanner and the barred doors were already there when these lunars came in because they were there from prisoner of war cells. Oh, that's true. Cause they would have had the IDs for the last war. Right. So that's possible. And then they just like changed out the, the little chippy hardware to be the kind that they wanted. And then that would make this perfect headquarters because it's already ready to go. Cause also like, Otherwise, did they install it just so they could have prisoners? How many other prisoners have they had besides her and Michelle? I don't, I mean, well, I guess it depends on like what you need. Because if you, like if I were to take a landing party into Paris and I needed like As you still information and everything, you know, just, you know, <laughs> a sensible like lunar invasion, I I would probably consider like I would need cells to like kidnap a few locals to like make sure I had all the information I needed. Right. Like kidnap a butcher's daughter, make sure I got the best cuts of meat in exchange for her life. Like that would make sense to me that you would need bars for that. Yeah. And I think. No, it's awful, but it's you have to think of it that way because that's how they're thinking of it. And as a writer, Marissa had to think of it that way. And I think that. I think it's essential. I think I, I personally think that those types of designs were already there and the Lunars simply modified them when they came in. Yeah. Um, But I would love to know. So Marissa Meyer, whenever you're ready to come on, you just let me know. That'll be one of the many things we talk about. Yeah. I would love to know that. And it's also like, if they were already there, then that would create the perfect reason to keep everybody out already. Absolutely. Because they're already there. Yeah, like there's already creepy things in that building and prisons where people died. So it's already going to be avoided by everyone but 17-year-old boys anyway. So Yeah. So the scanner beeps and the door clinks open. And it's Wolf. Wolf was standing in the doorway. Oh, sorry, I'm on page 336. Wolf was standing in the doorway, having to duck his head to keep from hitting the frame. His eyes pierced through the darkness. But they were the only thing about him that hadn't changed. His once messy, spiky hair had been combed off his brow, making his handsome features appear too sharp, too cruel. He'd washed the dirt from his face and now wore the same uniform she'd seen on the other soldiers. A maroon shirt and rune-decorated guards on his shoulders and forearms. A series of belts and sashes held empty holsters. She briefly wondered if Wolf preferred to fight without weaponry or if he simply hadn't been allowed to bring guns into her cell. Oh, so Wolf is different. I think we talked in um, the episode I did with Leah about how this is like everyone or one of the episodes. They're all blending together in my brain. I'm sorry. But this is post 
quarantine. This is all of us post quarantine as we were, <laughs> we were all a hot mess with spiky, gross hair and dirt on our face. And now we're finally allowed to leave the house and we have to get cleaned up <laughs> and we're practically unrecognizable. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. It's going to be a mess. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think he probably wasn't allowed to bring the gun into the cell personally because she shot him. Well, also, like, they know that she's feisty, and it just, it it's a way for her to get hurt. Oh, that's true. And they don't want her hurt. They need her alive. But she would try to take the gun. We know yeah. that she would. And she could get hurt. And they don't know that Wolf has this connection that Wolf won't hurt her. We we have reader privilege. We've gotten to see a little bit of his perspective of things. And we know that he's still fearful for her well-being. So we know that he probably won't hurt her. But they don't know that. The thaumaturge yeah. doesn't know that. His, you know, conspirators don't know that. And so their thinking is probably, well, if he goes in there with a gun, she's going to try to get the gun and then it could accidentally go off and she could die. She's no use to us dead. We need her alive so we can use her as bait for the grandmother. At least that's yeah. how I thought of it. I wonder, do they know that she shot him? Like, is there an incident report he had to fill out of like, and this girl shot me. Like, I wonder if they're aware that that happened. I would love to see their incident report file. <laughs> because Rands has to say that his brother beat him up. Yeah, they have to know because he was injured and covered in blood and Rand witnessed the whole thing. So they have yeah. to know that she shot him. But I really would love to read their incident reports. I just I would love to read Rand's because I have a feeling Rand has like misguided sentence structure or something. Like I bet his is like <laughs> and then she shot him in the arm and it hurt him. And then he hit me with his left arm and it hurt my head. And then or something, you know, like I feel like it's really disjointed. Yeah. Imagine like poor Wolf being like and the feisty little ginger got <laughs> me in the arm. We've heard Wolf talk to the thaumaturges, and he speaks very differently than he did when he was with Scarlet. So I have a feeling his report is like painting everything. I have a feeling that his report says something like, in order to avoid suspicion, when Rand showed up, this happened. In order to avoid suspicion, I, I had to allow the girl to shoot me. I chose to move myself and maneuver my body so that the injury would be small and um, non-life-threatening. <laughs> the bullet lodged here. I was able to heal quickly and um, create a tourniquet. And, you know, like, I have a feeling his is very business-like. <laughs> <laughs> I like maybe this should be like a fan extra that she creates, <laughs> like the because <laughs> I think it yeah. would be great. Listeners, please, 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 if you are bored with Fan Art Friday, write me a fan incident report for Wolf getting <laughs> shot on his mission with Scarlet. That would make me so happy. I'll read it on an episode. I'm sure we would all love it. <laughs> yes. So. Anyways, <laughs> she leaps up because she's ready to go after him and her whole world tilts, you know, because she hasn't eaten in a day and a half. 
Um, needs a cookie. She does. Their faces flash across the room and struggle crosses his face. He just says her name, Scarlet. A hint of struggle crossed his face. <laughs> so sad. She starts to attack him and he allows her five hits before stopping her. He turns her away and holds her arms so she can't hit him. And he says, she says, let me go. And he shows absolutely no sign that he even notices her kicking him. So she spits on his neck and says, let me go. And he's like, fine. And lets her go. And she falls on her face. Ouch. Get what you asked yeah. for. Yeah. She's sick with loathing, disgust, and fury. And all he does is wipe the spit off. And he said he had to see her. Yeah. And he just had to see her. Why? So you could gloat over what a fool you made out of me? How easy it was to convince me that you... I can't believe I let you touch me. Oh, ow. <sighs> Say what you will about this situation, but that is brutal. Yeah. I... So I don't want to, like, give away, like, the... The, like, what was my favorite line part. But that... That is my favorite line from this chapter just because with the reader privilege that we have like this life of violence and order and everything else and he has like this one golden moment of humanity and she just rips it right back out from him and like granted totally fair like she's in a cell and like bad things but that to me is so brutal. That's what gave me the visceral reaction in this chapter of like just heartbreak because it is like the person he's gotten to touch just yanked anything good out of it away from him. And the only person that's touched him in a soft and affectionate way. Yeah. Probably his whole life. And it takes me back to the chapter from a few episodes ago, page 311. But she was there in his mind, the pad of her thumb brushing against his scars, her arms wrapping around his neck. That was our first chapter from Zayev's perspective. And yeah, that is probably one of the worst things she could have said to him. And the fact that he still like is still standing there and still like defying his nature, basically. Mm-hmm. After she literally rips the glimpse of humanity that he had away from him. It's ugh, it's so and brutal. He, it takes him a while. It says Wolf didn't move and didn't speak again for a long time. It takes him a while to get his composure. I lied yeah. to you. I lied to you about a lot of things, but I meant every apology. I never <sighs> wanted to lie to you or frighten you. And then he kind of trails off so we don't get to we don't get to hear. But he tried in the train to do something. I I think it was like him trying to get her to just run. Like this this myth that they could outpace it. That they could just run away together and be done with it. Yeah, because that yeah. like if you look at it from like that's the only real connection, like kind connection he's had. That was his fairy tale ending that he offered her. And like, clearly we can't blame her for rejecting it, but that, that was Wolf's fairy tale. 
like kidnap the girl to keep her safe, get her off the train. Like that is, I think as much as he was capable of giving. Yeah. And again, I'm, I went back a couple of chapters, page 263. We can run away. We'll disappear in the forest, go to Africa or the Commonwealth. We can survive and they'll never find us. I can keep you safe, Scarlet. I can protect you. That's what he was trying to tell her on the, on the train. He was trying to tell her there's another option. It yeah. doesn't have to end like this. There is another option. And it's so hard. And once, once he realized that that wasn't going to be an option because she wouldn't allow it to be an option. I think he felt like this was his only other choice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't see that there was another choice for it. No, like, she was never going to leave her grandma. No. Or even the idea of, of being able to protect and save her grandma was never going to leave her. No, I don't think she would have been able to live with herself even if she had run. Like, it, it never would have ended well. She had to go. Yeah. So she responds. She says, don't. Don't bring it up. Don't even try to justify what you did to me or what your people have done to my grandmother. Don't you dare come near me. I don't want to see you. I don't want to listen to you. I would rather die than ever be touched by you again. Oh. <sighs> her flashes his face, which makes her even angrier. And it says her guard is watching them like a net drama. And here, Wolf completely changes tactics. His tone of voice is all business. I'm sorry to hear that, Scarlet, but I didn't come to apologize. I came for something else. <sighs> he was at her side in a single stride, his hands buried in her hair, pressing her against the wall. His mouth stifled her surprised cry and then an angry scream. She tried to shove him off of her, but she'd have had more luck against the iron bars of the door. Her eyes went wide as she felt his tongue, and in a flash of rebellion, she thought to bite him. But then there was something else. Something small and flat and hard being pressed into her mouth. Every muscle went taut. So he put something in her mouth. This wasn't just a kiss. No. This was, there. The, he came to visit her for a reason. Yeah. Which makes, like, the last two paragraphs of pain like okay again I guess so because <laughs> like if you read just the first part you're like oh, oh. and then you're like oh okay <laughs> like okay she yeah. shouldn't stab you no, no stabbing stab you. <laughs> like stall the stabbing uh yeah I kind of just want to read this whole last page I'm so sorry is that bad no I think it's great I okay so I love this part for accreditation purposes, I'm on page 340. <laughs> Wolf pulled away. His grip softened, cradling her head. His scars were a blur in her vision. She couldn't find her breath. And then he murmured, so quiet she could barely catch the words even as they steamed against her lips. Wait until tomorrow morning. The world won't be safe tonight. Wolf focused on his own fingers as they took a red curl between them. He flinched. As if touching her pained him. Indignation returning, Scarlet swiped him away and darted beneath his arm. She fled to the corner of the room and crouched down on the bed. Covering her mouth with one hand, she smashed the other against the wall for balance. She waited, her entire body aflame, until Wolf slinked out of the room. The bars opened and shut. Outside, the guards snickered. 
I suppose we all have our thing, he said, and then their footsteps padded down the corridor. Slumping against the wall, Scarlet spit the foreign object into her palm. A small ID chip winked up at her. Ooh, and that's the end of the It's oh such a... Yeah. Stop reading after that, but we have to, because that's where the podcast ends. <laughs> that's such oh like my a... God, I love that last page so much. It's so painful, but so good. It's painfully perfect. <sighs> yeah. Well, I think, like, because we are in Scarlet's point of view, but we do know, like, that wolf cares. It's like the whole thing. You just like want to like scream and like rip the other wolves out of the building and be like, no, <laughs> you're supposed to be happy. Well, like, it's like it's, we said, it's reader privilege. Yeah. That was one of the chapters where I literally just wanted to like throw the book. I was like, this is rude. No more torture. I think I said in one of the past episodes, like love is not this hard guys. Don't worry. <laughs> and if it is, there's like billions of people in this world. You'll find somebody else. Like yeah. <laughs> take it, take a deep breath. Cause it's not the end of the world. Um, like if you're stuck in a cell, you need to move on. <laughs> well, uh, she might be able to, because now she has an ID chip. I know. Oh. I know it's hard. So what were so hard. What How do you do chat? this? Every week. I don't know. <laughs> it's very hard not to read ahead. Um, I used to try to read ahead because then I would like be caught up and I'd be ready to go and I'd always be one step ahead of the game. And I've learned that I really can't read ahead. I I can't read the next chapters until I've already discussed their current chapters on an episode because otherwise I am stressing myself out. I am accidentally giving away spoilers and I've lost one emotional journey and already gone on another one. Yeah, yeah, the stakes are are very present right now. So it would be hard there. if you like already moved on to the next line. Yeah, because I'm still want to. I, I want to retain too. this feeling. <laughs> ah. uh, so, what was your chapter title for this one? My chapter title was "It's from Hamilton the Musical." It was "Wait for It." You'll have to explain it to me because I haven't seen Hamilton. Um. So there's. So in Hamilton, like the, it's obviously about Alexander Hamilton, but the um, narrator and kind of protagonist actually is Aaron Burr, who is always living in Hamilton's shadow. So he has this song where like Hamilton like gets the girl, succeeds at everything. Should we explain who Aaron Burr is to the listeners? In case they don't know, Aaron Burr was actually in real life. Aaron Burr was... um, was Hamilton's political rival and even war rival at one point. And he's actually the man credited with killing him because they had a duel and he won the duel. Sorry. I just want to explain that just in case. I know I have have listeners that are like 13 and they may not have gotten to that information in life yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is. Well, it is a little obscure and it is one of those things where like, I think when I was doing like, history we didn't really talk about that that much we kind of glossed over that have you ever had that conversation where people are like do you know how many presidents have been assassinated it's like i do and then you know it turns out it's not the number you think it is and do you actually know the four no wait what are the four um so it's jfk of course yeah lincoln Lincoln. (laughs) garfield yeah who's the last one McKinley in 1901. Oh. So it's Lincoln, Garfield, McKinley, and JFK. Yeah, I, 
I should have like a better base of knowledge to know that. Well, who but, would uh, know that and why? I, I'm a history buff, so I know I know random for no reason. But and like I said, I have a pretty decent memory. But like who would know that and why? Yeah. So um so Alexander Hamilton is killed by Aaron Burr. Which don't worry, they tell you in the um opening song of Hamilton, so no spoilers there. <laughs> but he has this song where he's basically like everyone else is playing this fast game and like he is in love with this woman who's married to someone else. And he's like, if she's chosen me to be by her side, I'm going to wait for it. Like, it's fine if everyone else is going to do this. Like, I'm the one who's alive. I'm going to wait for it. And so he's waiting for this chance. And I feel like that's so much of what's happening right now is like, everyone else has these grand plans. Everything else is happening. And they're just in that tiny moment where they have to, they just have to wait. There is nothing to do. They are stuck in this place and they have to wait for their chance. And it's like that horrible tension where there's nothing else that can be done. Yeah. I think that that's a good point. I've always wanted to see that musical and the opportunity has not presented itself, unfortunately. Um, I've had a lot of people who are like, just listen to the music. And I'm like, no, I don't do that with musicals. I will listen to the music after I've seen the musical. I won't do it beforehand. Honestly, the only way I've gotten to see it, one of my national tours sat down in Chicago for two weeks awesome. and Hamilton in Chicago is amazing. And their theater was a block from ours. Nice. And then I performed at another theater in Illinois that was only two hours from Chicago. So I went to see it again because tickets to Hamilton in Chicago aren't $2,000. They're like 130, which is suddenly <laughs> a lot more doable. Right. <laughs> Um, so my song was How Will I Know by Whitney Houston, and I know that it's a little bit older of a song, but I like to think most people know it. How do you know? <laughs> so the song, like, just in case no one's familiar with it, the lyrics are literally, how will I know if he really loves me? And I think both of them are in this position. She doesn't know how he really feels. He doesn't know how she really feels. And the only person who does get to know is the reader and we are just so stressed out that they can't communicate that with each other. But on the plus side, he did give her a chip. But that like, means so many things. <laughs> but at least it means like something is happening. Like he hasn't forgotten. At least it means yeah. she's important to him. Like he took the time. He went. He let her punch him and spit on him and then still like slip something into her mouth which is weird but you know whatever covert operations was he gonna get it to her in a secret way right that's true it, you know thorn would have come up with much more inventive ways which probably would have been worse thorn's not gonna pass the uh, opportunity to make out with a hot girl i feel like he would have gone for like the back pocket of the jeans and like copped a feel of her tush you know i feel like or slipped it down her shirt been- yeah, it would have been, like, a little bit more, like, seductive and a little bit less, like, bad French kissing. Or Thorne would have, like, slipped the guard a cigar and a $100 bill and told him to walk away for five minutes. Actually, that that feels the most accurate. Because then he would also, like, give information and not just make out. Yeah. But yeah. poor Wolf, he's, like, he's just meant to, like, tear things apart. Like, But he just wants to be a good boy. He just wants... To, to be loved yeah, and cuddled. But that's why I like this song so much. I was thinking about it when I was like listening to it. Uh, like when I was reading this chapter, I was thinking about 
that song because the lyrics are so indicative of, and if nobody's heard it, I encourage you to go listen to the Glee version. It's harmony and acapella and it's amazing. Um, Amber Riley is incredibly talented. So is everybody else, but I feel like Amber Riley is underrated. She's incredibly talented. Um, and Chris Colfer is in that song and Naya Rivera and Leah Michelle, but I just really love Amber Riley. Um, but I just really felt that song. I felt so much of the lyrics in that song because I was like, how do you know if he really loves you? And she yeah. is saying prayers. She does want to get out of here. She wants to get out of here alive. She wants to get out of here with her grandmother. And he doesn't know how she feels. He yeah. knows what she's saying and it's not nice. No, and it seems not. like it's killing him from the inside out. I mean, on the plus side, at least he knows he does deserve it. You know, so yeah, that's got to be at least a little helpful. Like, at least she's not like lashing out and saying these horrible things. And he's like, but why? What did I do wrong? Like, no, he's he knows what he did. He's self-transparent for sure. Yeah. So do you want to say and talk about your quote again? Sure. So it is just like, and it is that that brutality of it with the, I can't believe I let you touch me. And it does, it brings up questions for me because there is a fairly abrupt fade to black in that train car. Like that is, so that makes me question how big a deal it also was to her while showing the brutality to him. And it so sort of, are we wondering how far it went when it faded to black? Yeah. Because I mean, clearly, like, I love that you have the book for reference. It's so convenient. I know. And I do this, like, every episode. I, have, I keep it right with me. I have my paperback. And I'm taking forever like, to, like, back everywhere. Back. Yeah, because I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I want, I want to see if there's any... Um, Hints whatsoever. Do, 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 do. Okay, page 242. Then he was pulling her toward him and bundling her up in his arms. Scarlet gasped as Wolf buried one hand into her mess of curls and kissed her back. And then the next time we see the two of them is on page 257. And it's Scarlet is waking up from her. It's Scarlet's dream in the blizzard. So it's possible that more than just a couple of quick kisses and a nap happened. And honestly, if we were watching this on a TV show or a film, is that not what we would assume? Yeah, because it's the way it cut to black to me. And because she's like, we don't know that much about Scarlett. And like, clearly she's devoted to her grandmother and clearly she's busy with the farm. But she is an 18 year old girl. And they're consenting at this point. They're consenting adults. She's, they don't, neither one of them has all the information of the situation. But in that moment, she was, she was yeah. a participant in the makeout session and whatever may have happened afterwards. So I question it because it does seem like such a big deal to her too. And so to me, it's like, what level is she putting it on? And like, I can't believe I let you do that. Like... It does what, seem a bit what exactly is she talking about? It does seem a bit drastic for a couple of kisses. Yeah. So, so listeners, listeners who want to envelop in this conversation, join the Patreon um, or message me because I want an open discussion of this. I want a poll 
I want to know who thinks it was a couple of kisses and they fell asleep and who thinks it was a deeper and more emotional experience. Yeah. And I would love to hear some feedback from listeners. So please DM me. If you're on Patreon, I'm going to start a chat like as soon as I get done with this video and I'm going <laughs> to, I expect lots of comments. <laughs> so my quote was page 340. Wolf pulled away, his grip softened, cradling her head. I know that's a really short quote. I love that he cradled her head. I know that's silly, but my husband does that and I, so I think it's really cute. <laughs> And I think it's like a small form of affection. I think it shows that he thinks like she is precious to him. She I was is... just about to use the word precious. You are so on point. Yes, she's precious to him. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on my special one year anniversary episode. Do you want to tell thank people so where they can find me. you in your podcast? Sure. Um, my podcast is A Book and a Dream. And you can find it basically wherever podcasts are. You can also go on to my website, MeganORussell.com. And that's with two S's and two L's. And there's a nice little tab on there that says podcast. And it'll lead you to all the episodes. Good, good. And everybody can find your books through your website as well, correct? Yes. And pretty much all of them are available wherever books are. Kobo, Barnes & Noble, Scribd. And Amazon and all those places. So super easy to find. You can even just type my name into Amazon and it'll take you to my author page. Awesome. So please go check it out. Ray review, and subscribe both A Book and a Dream and Prince Kai Fan Pod. Just a quick reminder that for the month of May, Patreon, both new and existing Patreon members will get a personalized Prince Kai Fan Pod sticker. And the first fiscal, I made it so that the first fiscal month of Patreon is free. So whenever you join, the first fiscal month is free. So you can check it out. And remember, if you want to stick around, it's only a dollar a month. So thank you so much for coming. Next week, we're going to do chapters 35 and 36 and start book four of Scarlet. Oh, I'm just so excited to start getting closer to Cress. <laughs> I just, Cress is by far my favorite book. And so like every chapter, I'm like, this is good, but also almost to Cress. <sighs> yes yeah I I tore through Crest that was like a one night read I honestly after the first two chapters of Crest it's like so much goes down <laughs> it's like I don't know how you could put it down I really don't like not to give spoilers away you guys but when we get to Crest it's going to be hard to do this one or two chapters at a time well because it and it's there's so many things because by the time by the time we get to Crest, we get a new character with new plots and stories, but we're still dealing with all of the plots and stories that we're dealing with in here. Lavana, Wolf, Scarlet, Kai, Cinder, Michelle Benoit, Aiko, Thorn. It's all going on at the same time. It's insane. I hope none of this is spoilery. Does it sound spoilery? No, because we've heard all those names before. And well, except okay. for Crest, but her name's the title of the book. So, well, also some of the stuff. If you just read like the insert of the book is a giveaway. So if you read the back of a book and it tells you what the book is about, you know, but yeah, God, I just can't believe it's been a year and we're almost done with the second book. It's insane. Congratulations. Happy one year. Thank you. It's a really big deal. I'm, 
I'm just so grateful everybody likes the podcast and they stuck with me through all the changes and stuff. I feel a lot of love from the fandom. That's that's great. You deserve it. You deserve the love. Thank you. <laughs> so in the meantime, everyone, I hope that you stay safe during this time frame and keep reading. And until next time, don't get clamored. The passages read for you today are from Scarlet by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Megan O. Russell from A Book and a Dream podcast. The logo art was created by Angela Wong on Instagram. Thank you for listening, and thank you for celebrating one year with Prince Kai Fan Pod. When we got Verizon 5G home internet, it sounded like it could handle all our needs. But one thing it couldn't handle was our frustration. And hey, we deserve reliable internet. It's time for better internet. Fast, reliable internet. Switch to Xfinity. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Verizon 5G facts.